It's Saturday, December 21st. Welcome to yet another bonus episode of Market Foolery. Little thing we like to call apropos of nothing because it has nothing to do with investing or business or stocks. So, by all means, please skip this episode. Move on to whatever else is in your podcast queue. A few weeks ago, Bill Barker and I hung out in the studio with our longtime friend and colleague, Jim Gillies. It was just the three of us. As well as a very nice bottle of bourbon that was a gift from one of our listeners. Um, if this is your first time listening to an apropos of nothing, I hope you enjoy eavesdropping on our conversation. And again, please don't listen to this thinking that at some point we're going to start talking about stocks. We don't at any point. But we do, however, talk about comedy, science fiction, movies, and since Jim Gillies is from Canada, we start with a classic Canadian film. Do you remember the movie Strange Brew? Yes. yes. Okay, so Strange Brew, Bob and what Doug. What an McKenzie. offensive question. Do so, we remember that? I was maybe nine or ten years old. I'm going to hockey practice because I'm a cliche. <laughs> in the you know, the rattle trap arena in Pickering, Ontario, where I was living, and there was two ice pads, and we were playing on one ice pad, and we look over at the other ice pad. What and is an ice I'm pad? sorry, an a ice rink. Pad. A rink. Okay, and a hockey rink. Interesting. So we're we're on the one, and over on the other, they've got weird things up for boards. They they look almost like are those beer cartons, and they've got two sets of players out there. Except one looks like a team of stormtroopers from Star Wars, and one looks like a team of Darth Vader's from Star Wars. And as a nine or ten year old kid, we're like, well, that's kind of cool, and we're not sure. They were filming the hockey scene for Strange Brew. Right there, wow! And I had no idea about that until I actually saw the movie Strange Brew a couple of years later. I'm like, <gasps> you have been closer to an interesting event and were and by the age of nine than oblivious. I ever have been in my life. Yeah, it, and you know we have no idea what's going on at the time. We're just like, that looks weird. Okay, let's go play over here. Yeah, well, and and Bob and Doug McKenzie realistically the best known Canadians in America. I mean, if you're asked American name, it's either, name it's either them or Celine Dion, right? Name some Canadian. Uh, isn't she French or something? Eh. For a stretch of time, yeah, I yeah. think that's true. Bob and Doug. Nobody asked you to say. Let's talk about Guelph for a second because Guelph is a place that sounds like it's in Middle Earth, and I'm just curious if it's only me and Parker and you know probably most Americans who think that, or in Canada. Does the name Guelph get a laugh or a smile? At yeah, least? I've always thought the the name Guelph sounds like a body function. Excuse me, I'm going to go Guelph now. <laughs> like, and it's just, you know, it, it's it's we're 45 minutes outside of Toronto. Half the city gets up every morning and drives to Toronto. You know why? I don't know, but it's it's become a bit of a feeder community. It, it's kind of you you can be in the big city and hang out in the big city without having to pay big city prices and put up with the big city most of the time. So it's it's not a bad place to live, but yeah, it sounds ridiculous. And it's kind of in a it's a very um I'll call it a greeny weeny kind of town. It's very green environmentally focused. Uh, we provincially we elected the only green MP. Um and that's that's a good thing I think most days, but uh you know, I've only lived there for 25 years, so I really, or 23 years. I'm not too sure I really have a well formed opinion Demographically, yet. Demographically, Guelph, more orcs, elves, <laughs> or dwarves? Oh, definitely dwarves. Dwarves? Because it is part of Middle Earth, isn't it? 
Probably. Pretty much. One assumes. What uh, is Guelph known for anything in particular, whether it's an event or, oh, well, here's a part of Guelph you should go to if you come to visit? One of the best parts of Guelph, and I'm, I, this is 100% serious as opposed to most of the stuff, which will only be about 50% serious. There is a music festival every year uh, called Hillside Festival. And it is uh, one of the larger music festivals uh, in Ontario and Canada. It has successfully outlived a bunch of that, that have come and gone that have tried to be larger and, of course, blown their brains out financially. And they've done it by very slow. They've always got a fairly eclectic uh, lineup, a lot of independent artists. They'll have one or two names that you've probably heard of. Um, but if you if you follow the independent music scene, you'll have more choice. But um and, and they are it's extremely uh, environmentally friendly green there's there's no corporate advertising there is no water bottles allowed for example like like there's no bottled water sold for five dollars um, it's they bring in tanker trucks of city of Guelph water and you fill up your reusable bottle um, they have a green roof on the stage there's multiple stages there's you know and there's all kinds of um, uh, how do I put this delicately? Um, feel good stories. Here's the yoga thing over here, and here's the learning to chant uh, workshop over here, and here's and so it it gets a very um, it, it wouldn't be uh, let's put it this way when uh, when Canada legalized marijuana, let's say Guelph was already a few years ahead of them. <laughs> All right, okay. What are, wait. gas up full full tank gas gas up car? You've got to get from Guelph. To America as quickly as possible. Hour and a half to Buffalo. Hour and a half to, yep. to, to no the... problem. I don't even need don't even need to gas up the how car long, fully. How long does it take you from from your hometown to get to America? <laughs> Wait, my hometown in Maine? <laughs> I, that's, not, that's not America, right? <laughs> how, how long it takes to get to Canada? <laughs> no, no, to, to the rest of America. Oh, the rest of America. Um, I mean, two hours gets you to the New Hampshire border. So really, figure another. 30 minutes on top of that to go get to Massachusetts. So, so you consider that the start of America? It's a gratuitous shot at New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, Because you actually come from uh, a farther northern point than, uh, than Jim. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I was a little surprised to to learn that recently. We're just sort of looking at a map and like, wait, where is Guelph? It's like it's so much further south. So, but what's the snowfall like? You must get you get the lake nearby. <laughs> we we don't we, we're on the right side of the lake though. How how many feet of snow right now? Uh, right now, well, when I left, Early zero. November, so, but uh, I was informed this morning. I, I'm I'm by the way, this might be a posthumous uh, program pe- for pe- me. People worried about that. Well, no, I'm, snow I'm, this deep into I'm, November. I'm fairly I'm fairly certain I'm being murdered when I get home. Um, because the first thing I did is I, I left my significant other uh, the night before I left at four in the morning. Uh, there was a sleepover for my daughter, and seven of her closest friends were screaming and yelling all night. And and then I bugged out at four in the morning. So I'm I was popular for that already, but then I was uh, I was informed this morning that oh yes, apparently eight to twelve inches of snow is going to fall today. Thank you for leaving your car in the garage and leaving me outside. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm dying when I get home. But well I'll... done, well done. Uh, so, do you want to go into Mount Rushmore yet? Are you ready? Sure. Canadian yeah. Mount Rushmore. Oh, sure. we have to do Canadian. See, I... no, you don't have to because no, you, you haven't played Good. this game before. We already. We, I've, we've I've got, got some for my Rush, Mount Rushmore, but they're not Canadian. No, they don't need to be. Okay, Ours good. need to be Canadian, and then you can pick on us for our limited knowledge of Canada. 
or Canada, as it might be called, for Canadiana. all we know. Sure. Canadiana, I think, is, Canadi- is how. Is that the, okay. I think in the, Western, in the Western part of the country, that's how it's pronounced. We were talking about this earlier today. The Mount we'll, Rush- we'll just come up with it together, because I, I, I so think there's going to be a lot of overlap, and we're going to, it's at the points where we disagree, which will actually be interesting. So, Lauren Michaels is absolutely on the Mount Rushmore of of comedy, yes, in Canada, he's arguably uh, somebody I thought about for the Mount, for the Mount Rushmore of, of all comedy, including you know Americans. The only non-American to be awarded the Mark Twain Prize for American humor. So there you go. <laughs> Basically, uh, an American. You're welcome. He's, he's America. from he's from Ontario. Surely. He seems American yeah, in a British way. He's from the part of the map that's basically America. Yeah. Um, who else are you putting on there? Uh, well, it's got to be John Candy. Oh. And really. Solid. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> You've got <laughs> no, three no, better? No, You've make, got three better than John Candy? Make your case. I, the, the problem is, I, it's hard for me to separate all of the SEC, SCTV talent and give it to any one individual rather than. I might go three out of four. After Lauren Michaels, maybe Dan Aykroyd's on there as well. Um, but if I have to go with individuals from SCTV, John Candy is the one I'm going to go with. So we agree, Lauren Michaels, number one, no questions asked. And I'm questioning John Candy is absolutely your second pick for Mount Rushmore. Uh, yes. Okay. He is right on the edge for me. Okay. I would actually put who you got at number two. I would put Dan Aykroyd number two. All right. I mean, I can't, I can't hit you too hard for that. And I would put Martin Short number three. And I've enjoyed. Uh-huh. See, I think Mark. Well, okay. Wait a, okay. Wait. A, <laughs> oh, Martin God. Short's on my list. You know, I, I, it, again, it's hard for me to separate the work because I think all of their best work was on SCTV for me, for, for my particular enjoyment of their their. Comedy lives. Uh, the chair recognizes the gentleman from Guelph who is simmering. Yeah. I, no, I just, it, you know, there's just that one person who you just you understand that they're important and you see the comedy, but I, you I, don't find them funny at uh, all. Not it's I, nothing. Okay, I just I I'm I hard pressed to talk it. about Martin Short's work in movies. Getting, uh, you know, as, as putting him on on Rushmore, it's really his sketch work. Yeah, that that I agree and, with that. And, and even his work with Steve Martin, which I've watched on Netflix, Three um, Amigos, <laughs> not not the Three Amigos, the, the um, global tour. I think they're in Australia yes. right now, uh, doing uh, this tour together, and uh, it was not as. Funny as I had hoped it would be, you know, the, the time that I watched it's on Netflix. It's very different from, you know, seeing it live. As you, a professional stand-up comedian, can attest. <laughs> um, so here's here's where so I've I've got those three, and for the fourth spot, <clears throat> John Candy. I'm considering. I'm considering Catherine O'Hara. I can see Catherine O'Hara, and, sure. And, and this is where like ranking SCTV people against each other is. I have cognitive dissonance doing so because it was their work together that was so great. Yes, and Catherine O'Hara uh, has the benefit of doing amazing work in movies. She's so funny in things like A Mighty Wind and you know, sort of mm. those Eugene Levy, Christopher Guest uh, movies. Um, and but again, it's her work with Eugene Levy mm-hmm. that, yep. that stands out. And John Candy, 
is no longer with us. And, wow. And Catherine O'Hara's Major, career... You're taking points away for dying. I'm not taking points dead away. Dead people this are dead harsh. to you. This is harsh. Yeah. Uh, but if you're thinking about movie work, uh, I mean, I think he's got higher highs than Catherine O'Hara, uh, who has been a, a great ensemble uh, uh, character actress and, and has done nothing. I love her work. Uh but I don't know. Have, have you ever seen her? Um, was Andrea Martin? Is, was, is she Canadian? Yeah. I saw her on stage once. Awfully good. I haven't seen uh, Catherine O'Hara. You're not putting her on Mount Rushmore, though, are you? <laughs> uh, I, her, she, hasn't had, she hasn't followed up SETV on film as She as was strongly. in My Big Fat Greek Wedding and My Big Fat Greek Wedding, too. Well, see? I'm, I'm, I mean, you plus betting, points and then negative points. <laughs> I'm betting everybody a wash. <laughs> who was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding signed up very quickly for the sequel. I mean, Dave Dave Thomas, Rick Moranis, it, it all blends together. So They're all, They were all so good. I was looking over this list. Speaking of Strange Brew. On uh, the Kenzie Brothers. On Ranker.com. And one of the... Oh, you cheated. Uh, no. Um, I was reminded of the fact that, um, and maybe I'm the only one for whom this phenomenon exists, but my memory is that when Mike Myers was on Saturday Night Live and was incredibly popular for his sketch work there, and then he, of course he goes on to do the Austin Powers movies and that sort of thing, it, my memory is that the fact that he was from Canada got name-checked all the time in a way that really didn't with... John Candy, or even you know Martin Short, or you know, it was just like you know he's Canadian. It's like, yeah, why are you talking? Why do you keep saying that like he's from Mars? Like, he's it's from Scarborough. Like, well, they, like, they, yeah, he's, he's from Canada. I have, I have an investing tie-in for Mike Myers. I, hey, so Mike Mike Myers, I think, as a writer for the show, is probably the one doing that rather than other writers. Is would be my guess. Uh, and he was of, proud of his Scarberia roots, and of course, no. I'm just saying, course, in the, the media, S- the, in the media, yeah. it got oh, mentioned okay. all the time. I'm like, uh, yeah, we know. Well, the SCTV personnel and the origin, of course, of, of uh, Doug and Bob McKenzie, you know. I don't know. So SCTV had uh, a show for those that don't know at all in the in the 70s and then the 80s, and it was in various formats and various places. But it originated from Canada, and it was. Uh, Canada has got a minute, a minute and a half, something like that, fewer commercials in a half hour than American TV at the time. And so I, I feel that's no longer the case. And, and so when they recorded, there, there was either some extra time or there is a requirement or was a requirement in Canada that you had to place a certain amount of Canadian content that is still in force within. Yeah. Each half hour, or each hour, or within, something. with a twenty-four hour period, and so they needed to put an extra minute in their show and make it Canadian, or or a minute and a half, whatever it was. And so they felt, well, this is stupid, and we're going to go over the top. Like, what does that even mean for a sketch comedy show? And so they they did, you know, improv. It's all improv. Um, and they would just sit there and drink the beer and and record a bunch of you know takes until they got something that they would use. But it was all, you know, derived from this requirement of putting a minute minute and a half of Canadian material into the show. And with that, the launch to the Strange Brew movie, and then the um, influence on Gillies, and the influence on Gillies, and the Twelve Days of Christmas that they did with uh, Getty Lee from Rush. 
Oh, yeah. Well, if we were doing a Mount Rushmore of Canadian bands, Rush would be like at least three of them. Uh, they're in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, is, what is your investing connection to Mike Myers? So, Mike Myers... Um, it's Mike Myers, the comedian, not Michael Myers, the serial killer from the Halloween movies. Can't they be both? It would explain <laughs> a lot. No, Mike Myers, um, he... But now, look. In fairness, after he destroyed his career with the Love Guru, the man did need, you know, some gigs. Uh, but his brother, his older brother, was like the the head of marketing or the head of product or something like that for Sears. And so you may remember Sears as the as the now officially bankrupt but long suffering, long failing, darling of value investors. It's it's going to come back. It's going to come back. This it's time a for real estate play. It's a real estate play. Well, it's a zero now. But uh, and and so so he was he was fairly high up uh, in Sears Canada, and Sears owned like ninety five percent of Sears Canada or whatever. I think they bought the whole thing in before they they finally imploded. But so one holiday season, I'm guessing three, four, five years ago, Mike Myers starts doing a commercial for his brother for Sears Canada, like you know, come to Sears for all your holiday needs. And and it's cause it was just kind of sad, you know. Like he was clearly doing it for his brother to help out with his brother. But it was kind of sad to see Austin Powers, to see, you know, this guy from SNL, hawking crap from Sears. Yeah. And then the the code to that was when Sears Canada went down, uh, and they basically fired everybody and laid off everybody on the way up to it, finally slipping beneath the waves. Uh, this thing came out that we were, oh yeah one of the one of the one of the firings in this latest round was Mike Myers's brother so it wasn't the commercials were not done in sort of a tongue in cheek ironic way in the way that like um well uh, it was a hey, look at me I'm Mike Myers and this is my brother okay. and it wasn't um when Will Farrell with the um with the funnier die uh people no. Did the the Pabst Blue Ribbon ads? No, I, I think it was actually legitimately serious, trying to drum up interest in coming to Sears, and 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 I don't know if this. I'm sure this is you had it down here as well, but the, you would get the Sears Wish Book every year oh, yeah. in November, and of mm-hmm. course everybody of our generation would start going through, and I want this, and I want this as a kid. Um, I think it was an attempt to jumpstart that for a digital age, and you just, you know. Can't so, do it. Can we talk about that for a second? Um, uh, the funnier die stuff. Oh. <laughs> and, and yeah. Actually, I'm going to pivot to slightly to college humor uh, right. because you had made a reference which I didn't pick up uh, a couple days ago when we were, and this will be a surprise to longtime listeners when we were getting coffee, mm-hmm. uh, but to uh, Rocky uh, for having ended the Cold War in Rocky IV. Yeah. Uh, and I had never seen that and didn't know. I I, I didn't know. You had never seen Rocky IV. I'd seen Rocky Four, but not the college humor thirty for thirty spoof. On were you referring to that? No, I was just referring to Rocky Four. Okay, so <laughs> so thirty for thirty, uh, there's some, the college humor did a couple of spoofs on thirty for thirty, and one of them was on Rocky ending the Cold War, with in sort of the deadpan thirty for thirty style. Yeah, uh, and it's about a four or five minute clip. That's and, great. Um, I was, uh, you know, listening to the Thirty for Thirty podcast where they had a show on the fakes of Thirty for Thirty, and so one of them was a Thirty for Thirty spoof take on uh, Space Jam, you know, uh, just taking Space Jam, taking Space Jam seriously, and and reviewing how remarkable it was that Michael Jordan was able to lead a team with Bugs Bunny, et cetera, to beat these you know alien monsters. Uh, but uh, so I, I 
thought that's what you're referring to. But there, there is a, a pretty good take on, you know, how remarkable it was for the Politburo to stand up and start rooting for Rocky because, um, what his Rocky spirit? <laughs> um, you know, the underdog, America. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where at the time you're, you know, in high school, it's like, yeah. And then pretty quickly thereafter, I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Why was the. Okay, all right. I mean, the fight was good. What I was thinking was, you know, if uh, Market Foolery wanted to start doing, like, sort of spoofs on itself, to seriously do a show seriously taking the day's events as covering major. Fictional works as as if they were news of the day, like Wall Street. Uh, you know, well today, you so know, Gordon Gecko went to jail. Do we have any you know any thoughts on that? That's sort of so. Thing. We actually did a version of that. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was this year. It was either this year or last year. The April first. Oh, I don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not neither do I. Um, uh, the April first episode. I think it was this year, and. Um, Basically, took fictional companies. Are you still on your first class? Just uh, yeah, I, I'm, you'll I'm, edit this part out, right? <laughs> the, the, the peer pressure. It's, all, it's, it's just... always possible. <laughs> um, so April first did an episode that was talking about fictional companies from past Motley Fool. Uh, jokes that we've done in the past. So, um, 20 years ago during the dot bomb explosion, um, we did uh, the joke was about a fictional dot com company called E Meringue, where it was uh, you know, a guy running an auto parts company and then he, then he starts a, a meringue business. You. you know, today it would be a cannabis company. S- yeah. Still, still, I would say top. Motley Fool, uh, April Fool. Joke, I would say I definitely a top my, three joke. My favorite. Adopt, uh, uh, definitely a top three joke. So, Emerang. So, we talked about Emerang. For ambition and execution. Oh, I yeah. think uh, Emerang yeah. ranks number one. Um, Roman financial services, based off of the original joke that Tom and David Gardner did in the early 1990s, basically trying to, as a way to teach people online in the earliest days of online stock forums, that penny stocks were a really bad idea. So they they create this fake account. Um, they create a fictional character named Joey Roman, and he has a newsletter called Routine for Roman, and he's just promoting these fake companies and just saying, "I recommended this company at twenty cents a share, and I got out at fifty, and you know, doubling your money is Routine for Roman, and all this sort of thing." So we did this episode. And just treat did what you're talking about. Just treated it like, oh yeah, this is real news, and got some angry email. Got a couple of angry <laughs> email from people, which is always what you're looking for from an April Fool's joke. Yeah. It is, yeah. Right? There, I mean, you know, you get the email from people who are like, "That was great. I loved it." You get the email from people who's, who are saying, "I've never heard of these companies," and then I remembered what day it was. But there were two or three email from people that were <laughs> that were so angry. And how dare you? And you're, you're, yeah. It was literally like you think you're so smart, fooling people. And it's like I, we, the name of our company is the Motley Fool. We're we're talking. There's no way for you to be financially. I get that your feelings are hurt. There's no way for you to be financially hurt 
by these companies because they don't exist and you can't trade. Roman Financial Services is not a public company that you can trade. So and and so it works as an April Fool's joke in large part because people don't know the old jokes. Mm-hmm. And what I'm picturing is sort of a cousin of that, but sort of like, oh, as you like to refer to, the news ferry arrived and like the Duke brothers went bankrupt today, you know, and that the lead stories are are classic uh, pieces of of cinema or TV that a that you know all right thinking Americans should be familiar with, and even perhaps you occasionally some a Canadian Canadians. too. Yeah, yeah. cover the Duke brothers uh, being ruined as a news story. I, I'm pretty sure April first, not necessarily as an April Fool's joke, falls on a weekday. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, that might be that something could, we yeah. slip in. Okay. Um, can we talk about Gilly's nerdery for a second? His level of nerdery. His level of nerdery, yeah, just or just sort of where it lies, where the nerdery lies. Well, I think you want to. I'm strangely wanna... intrigued now. <laughs> what are we talking about? You want to put some some uh, bumpers on that. You don't want to invite some nerd to go too nerdy on his uh, stuff and then just <laughs> not rein it in at all, because that could be what can go wrong. That could be a chunk of time. It could be. Um, no, I'm just curious about the origin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. We'll come back to liquefaction. No, but uh, based on conversations we've had in person, and also uh, just someone who sees what you post on Facebook, um, cycling. I think of you as a cycling nerd, um, and absolutely a Star Wars nerd. So May- maybe wait, can a... you be a cycling nerd? I think I think you can be. A if nerd. you can be one, Jim is one. You're I, saying because I don't. Th- I, I think of that as like a... I, I'm a failed cycling nerd because you know your your classic is like road like... cyclist is like you know five foot seven, hundred and forty five pounds. I know you're not filming Tom this. Tom Cruise. I, I am not five foot seven, and I have not been 145 pounds since I was 14 years you're old. Like, you're like six two one eighty five. Thank you. Um, let me assure every you know the three listeners still around. Uh, no, nobody's I'm not. listening at this point. I'm not. There's nobody listening. Um, yeah. So I yeah I, I do I do off. have five bicycles. If that's any indication. Five. Yes. Well, you have you have different uses. Well, that's that's more like a fan or an addict <laughs> no, than no, no, a nerd. No, no. Like now, if he's going to go off on like I, what I did actually hold myself off. It was a really great price, but I didn't buy a six bicycle that uh, where the water bottle holder traditionally is. There was a built-in flask. That's probably a good idea. And I, I, my my significant other was telling me, "No, you should buy it. You you deserve this bike. You should buy it." I'm like, uh, I don't know where we're gonna put it. Yeah, she's not saying that today. Not after you. No, left. no, no. She's not gonna, after you left her with she, a house. She's gonna murder me when I get home. House, house full filled. of snow. Um, as someone who owns zero bicycles, what are the five bicycles used for? Oh, well, I have uh, two road bikes, so a long distance. Racing-ish or like long uh, long distance, uh, you know, group rides or whatever. So we're talking uh, sixty to a hundred kilometers, for example. Or you go out after work. You go wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I'm okay. gonna do math. Hold S- on. Sixty miles is a hundred kilometers. Roughly. Okay. Um, I have uh, just a general runabout hybrid bike, just for going downtown for coffee on a Saturday morning. Go to the farmers market. Uh, I have a tandem bike. Because I have ridden from one end of Ontario to the other end of Ontario with one child on the back. And when they were smaller, I used to have a trailer that would also fit behind the tandem bike so the three of us could go wherever. Um, and what is that distance, one end of Ontario to the other? Uh, well, it's from Ottawa down to Windsor. So from where I am in Guelph, Windsor is about 280 kilometers, and Ottawa is 500 and change, 600. So it's, it's 800 and 
eight somewhere between eight and nine hundred kilometers on a tandem. So you're pull, pulling. Oh, the, the kid did all the work. Let's 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 be honest. <laughs> Uh, and then one time uh, we went to Sandusky, Ohio, from uh, from Guelph. So that took my daughter and I four days to do. So uh, I mean that's a long distance thing. Yeah. Um, you're packing your stuff, so the the bike is fully bike packed. You've got your tent on it, and you've Chris, got your sleeping bag. Chris is a long distance runner, as you know, um, and, and a stand up marathoner. Uh, hospitalized more often than not when mm-hmm. he marathons. How many hospital visits for that uh, Zero. going across? <laughs> really? Zero. Interesting. I've been incredibly fortunate. When you went to Sandusky, Ohio, it just Ohio. sounds like you weren't trying hard enough. Uh, well, yeah, really, really. If you had been, if you um, cared, there, there you was one time. So I did. That's, I that's did the uh, mark of a competitor. I did tell my. There was one time where I was okay. So this is my brilliant idea. It was, uh, you know, flash forward, not a brilliant idea. Uh, I decided that I was going. We were going to go to Montreal for the weekend, but uh, she was going to drive, and I would ride my bike. And so I, I left Sunday. Because we're going for the following weekend, so it's going to take me five days to get there. So, uh, or sorry, six days, six days of riding to get there. And um, so I get about a hundred kilometers from my house, and I'm right downtown Toronto because there's a waterfront trail that runs along Lake Ontario. So I'd cut down to there from Guelph, and I was going all the way along. And I'm pretty much right in front of the uh, the Sky Dome or Rogers Center now, where the Blue Jays play. And uh, my front uh, tire hit a seam, an asphalt and concrete seam which had the uh, impact of stopping the front tire dead. And I did not stop dead. The back tire kept going, and I kept going. So I landed, and unbeknownst to me, cracked two ribs. How is that unbeknownst to you? Well, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought I could shake it off. And so I got back on the bike. Was it, was it the flask? <laughs> it was not. No, this was one of the road bikes. And, and, I, and I'd gone for a week, and I, I, I was staying at my buddy's place, which is 160 kilometers from my house the first night. And I, he has a trailer. I was going to stay at his trailer the next night, which is another 120 kilometers past that. And then I had a couple of flea bag motels I was going to stay in along the way. And the whole thing was planned. I, I was traveling with very minimal stuff. I had just a couple things in my backpack and very minimal. And my partner was going to bring my stuff to Montreal for the weekend. So I get back on the bike and I ride that last 60 kilometers, which is the longest 60 kilometers of my life, from where I cracked out to my friend's place just east of Toronto. And I'm still like, oh, I'm hurting. It's like, eh. Too stupid to go to the hospital, of course. And I still thought I was going to keep going. And then that night I've crashed at my friend's place and, you know, lie down in the bed and I suddenly realize I can't breathe because my chest cap, my chest won't expand anymore because these ribs are no longer structural components they're just kind of floating there so that was at that point i said yeah i'm going to i'm i'm going to call this one off so i had to get on the train take it back to guelph and went to the hospital and but that was just me solo. It was no tandem. Okay, right, so that's the worst one I ever did. I mean, did. that would be dumb if you or me did that, but you're an engineer. Oh, yeah. By no, training, so I yeah, expect you to know better. Yeah, this was stupid. <laughs> this was other really, bodies really stupid. Constructed. Yes. I got a, a couple of questions. Oh, and I, ha- and I have a snow bike, this too. This sort of rapid-fire rapid, rapid fire sure. questions. Uh, Real quick, snow bike. Snow Re- bike. Regular bike with snow tires? Uh, it's big. The Chains? Tire, uh, f- fat tires. Okay. Five-inch five uh, five tires. Okay. How many snowmobiles do you have? Zero. I believe they're called snow machines. <laughs> also zero. Only in Alaska. Okay, go on. In in, in uh, Maine, you don't call them snow, no, snow machines, do you? No. Snowmobiles. Yeah. You speak English in, in Maine. <laughs> well, there's a fair amount of French spoken in Maine, too. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. Is there a big French population there? Oh, yeah. Like the Quebecois? Same-ish? Ish. Ish? Yeah. Okay. So it's, go uh, on. 
So um, I was listening uh, to a podcast this morning doing uh, an overrated, underrated uh, thing, which you do sometimes. Halloween candy and other topics. Yeah. Canada topics. Overrated, underrated for Jim. I'm not looking for long answers. I'm looking for a quick take, which then will drive into some ditches of of pointlessness. Uh, Overrated or underrated, the Maple Leafs? Overrated. And I, that hurts as a fan, but overrated. Any any thoughts on that? No, no. I mean, we don't get it. I'll take. I'll take. We don't get it because in like they the equivalent in the U.S. is basically the Yankees, like a a, a team. No, of, no, no. The of, Yankees win sometimes, right? But like national like, import. I've and seen them win the World Series like, in my lifetime. Yeah. I will. I have not, and will not see the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup in my lifetime. Well, I, I you got to believe you'll see them. No, win. no, no, never. No. I mean, is the ownership the at? Are you just like, oh, it's bad luck, or is like, oh yes, there are structural issues why they will never. Well, win. right now there's a structural issue, which is what they're too soft. They're going to go into the playoffs, and they're just going to have their heads handed to them by Boston again or Washington. Is that because ownership doesn't know how to run the business? It's because the current general manager thinks that uh, everyone should love each other, and you don't need to play hard in the the playoff game. It's he's really big into skill and speed. Hockey to me. Well, he's all big into skill and speed, and playoff hockey's not European. No, he's he's from Ontario. I don't get it. I don't get it. Loons. Loons underrated. Underrated. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty uh, sounding birds. Uh, what else? What attack th- ducks? They can get you. Know, <laughs> they can get them a hundred hundred feet underwater. They, you, know, you are not safe. They're going to come get you. Uh, uh, Montreal. Underrated. Montreal's great. I I, agree. I love Montreal. I love Montreal. And I'm not and, saying and that because I was now, born there. Now, is there an issue like uh, like Tor- Toronto Montreal where you're supposed to badmouth them like out of loyalty to Toronto? Forty years ago, maybe. I don't know. No, I, I love all my I love all my country. No, equally, but uh, like except there, for Edmonton, like if, if, and if, Winnipeg. If you're downtown in Toronto, it's just <laughs> all right. What's wrong with those places? There are days when it is le- and it's dead serious. There are days when it is legitimately warmer on Mars than it is in Winnipeg. But is Winnipeg overrated or underrated? Winnipeg is. How many Canadians are listening to this? Winnipeg's awful. It's either either frozen or it's mosquito season. Got any more? No, no, you're the one with the list. Go for it. It was a short list. I mean, that's all the things <laughs> that I can okay. think of. Oh, of, the only other one Canada. I was going to throw out there was Canadian bacon, of course. Canadian bacon, sure. It's just brined pork loin. Okay. It's it's well, but it, it includes. Can, can you like bacon and? It includes in its title bacon, which you know. So Bit of a misnomer. So your expone- yes. expectations are very high, and then you have it, and you're like, I, but that wasn't bacon. Not bacon. Not bacon. Overrated, I say. Why is misnamed? I'll say. Well, then uh, rename it. Uh, it's Canadian not, it's not pork loin. <laughs> <laughs> Much of what I know about Tim Hortons. I know from talking to you, and I'm. You're not a fan, and and the expansion of Tim Hortons would make sense to me if you were like, no, you're you just don't get it. This is like this is well, it's better than Dunkin' Donuts. <coughs> okay, <laughs> and we're done. Gillies is out of here. Um, no, and go. So so Tim Hortons. So I, I I'm 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 less negative on Tim Hortons. I've been I, I as a stock. I actually quite like no, no, the no, stock. We're not talking about stocks. Um, this is apropos of Canada, right? So as uh, as a, as an experience, it's suboptimal most of the time. Um, 
my son, when he was about five years old, I think, I made some mention. You know, he noticed that I never went to Tim Hortons back then. And uh, were you planning on raising him as a Canadian? <laughs> well, we, we exposed him to. Is other... he raised as a Canadian? Well, we do try. We okay. do try. Um, but he uh, he noticed, and he says, "Well, Daddy, why don't you why don't you drink Tim Hortons?" And I said, "Well, that's because it it tastes like ash." And he kind of looked at me, like because he didn't think I said ash. He thought I said a similar three letter word. And I said, "It's just it, it's just it's just very." I, I equate a lot of the the taste of Tim Hortons. I, I had a lot of friends in high school, shall we say, who uh, started smoking uh, cigarettes a little early, and so and used to be able to smoke in coffee shops and restaurants in Canada. And so, you know, you go hang out with your buddies in high school and, you know, half of them are smoking and it just, the place just smells like ash. And it just, that was Tim Hortons for me. Um, they've kind of grown up a lot. Uh, they're, I, I'm not a, I'm not a sweet drink guy. I'm not like kind of a whipped cream and frou-frou and whatever. So from a pure coffee perspective, I pre- much prefer Starbucks um, there's also there's a there's a small company and this is a, a missed opportunity but it's the Canadian 20 years ago this was the Canadian Starbucks it's a it's a company called Second Cup Coffee and they had the premium coffee market in Canada and they really should have been able to take that market they, they were going to get it ahead of Tim Hortons Tim Hortons is more the the hockey arenas and you know the the long haul truckers um, and. And Second Cup, they were partially owned by a company called Cara Foods, who owns a bunch of restaurants up there. And they were kind of, they, they, they had family squabbles, they were fighting over it. And so as they were fighting over it and everything was going on, this little company called Starbucks kind of waltzed in and basically took their lunch while they were infighting. So they all woke up five years later, and there's five times as many Starbucks at the time than Second Cup, and Second Cup's done. What Second Cup should have done is they should have sold to Starbucks when they came in, or at least they should have partnered with them. But Are they gone? Are they just completely gone now? They might as well be gone, because they're not, but there's like one in every city that has more than 50,000 people, and it's probably located near a university or college. And that's just kind of it. There's no growth. They, 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 they were. This is how bad things were getting. They were going to partner with, um, with, with marijuana companies to try to like drum up interest. So, and that's kind of in the last year. That's been kind of the, the kiss of death, right? It's like, oh, we're we're now. It's kind of like uh, it's almost like blockchain. You know, we're not a, we're not an iced tea company. We're a blockchain company. Well, we're not a coffee company anymore. We're a marijuana <laughs> company. Please love our stock. And so there we go. Um, so we talked about the bicycle nerdery, the Star Wars nerdery. Um, I don't know what you mean. How um, how are you feeling about the uh, the end of this next trilogy? Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. High hopes. This this in Star Wars nerd circles, this will be controversial to some. I happen to think the Last Jedi, which was the last movie. Um, gets better every time you watch it, and it. I think in time it's going to be like right now. If you ask any Star Wars fan or casual fan, what what's the best Star Wars movie? Ninety five percent of people are going to say Empire Strikes Back. Right? Everyone loves the first one. Empire is a better movie. Return of the Jedi is kind of a fall off. There's been a lot of hate on the prequels, some unnecessarily, and I've had this argument in my house actually because uh, I I think if if you could edit out um, the Ewoks. Jar Jar Banks, and but they 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 largely did it out. Jar Jar Banks is really only in the, the first Anakin movie. Anakin Padme love story. You know, I think you the, the you, third you movie, get Revenge of, of the Sith, is better than Return of the Jedi. Wouldn't you get rid of ninety percent of the the issues 
yeah, well, you you basically you'd get rid of the Phantom Menace. Okay, no one needs to see Darth Vader as a whiny nine year old. Okay. Right. Oh yes. Right. So right. okay. Nobody so needs to see Phantom him Menace or, is gone. or Jar Jar Binks. Or Jar Jar Although Binks. you know, uh, Ewan McGregor and, and Liam Neeson, they do perfectly serviceable. Work. Sure. I mean, uh, it's I mean, not important. You can you Liam get rid dies, of it. but you know, it's well, but you know, Ewan but McGregor is he's Obi-Wan not an Kenobi. embarrassment. No. Like um, like the rest of them. Uh, Hayden yeah. Christensen. I, I mean, when you're talking about. Anakin uh, Skywalker actors, you've got uh, James Earl Jones. No, he's the voice. Well, David Prowse is the actor. We can get into this, but (laughs) he is Darth Vader. And then, you know, you fall way off after that. If they they had casted that a little bit better, if they had casted the history of of Anakin Skywalker better. Yeah, no, no one needed to see Darth Vader as a whiny nine year old. No. So that's, that's a hill I'll die on. But the. Uh, the next movie. That's not even a hill to die well, on. That's your. That's fortified. Yeah. You know, you're. You're. Nobody's going to take you out of that one. Yeah, we got. You have you got a turret, got You've got Excellent. all the ammunition. Okay. You know. The but the um the the Clone Wars television series, which straddles between the first two prequel movies, is excellent. And it really does a good job of fleshing out the world uh, that was in the prequels. So maybe that's why I think. Where, it's where, where's your kid good. on all this? Oh, which one? They're they're both. It, it's a nerd house. Yeah. I mean, the whole house is a nerd house. And and, and your son? I mean, uh, I, I think of of that being the question. It's a if sexist. At least in my house, there's my son, Star Wars, total total fan, and you know his his sisters. No, okay, we we, whatever. we make Star a Wars point every fine, every when every Star Wars movie comes out. Um, we we take the kids out of school and we go to opening day shows because nice. yeah. we figure you know what they're not going to remember whatever class they're in. in Definitely, school. that's a good. I, I took the day off from school for um, return. Yeah, but return and, and so and when we went and saw Rogue One, which was the movie that uh, it's the it's the standalone story, but yeah. it, it's the run into the original Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, basically, my my partner she turns to me after the movie and you know I'll, I'll edit for. Thank you. But she goes now. That's how you do a. Prequel. That's the prequel we wanted, George. Yeah, and I'm like, eh, you're not wrong. Well, that's one of the things I, uh, not just because I'm a Disney shareholder, but one of the things I like about uh, when uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm, and it came out right after the deal was closed that uh, Lucas had handed over all of his ideas mm-hmm. for the for next, seven, eight, nine for the for seven, eight, nine, and they were like, no, no, thanks, we we appreciate it, we're good. Well, and the um, thing is, if you actually uh, there, some of the the details, those treatments have come out, and thank God they threw them away. Oh yeah, like it's they were just going to explore we're the world. We're just going to hand this off to J.J. Abrams. Yeah, we'll let him roll with it. Um, we're we're recording this before the launch of Disney Plus. Is it safe to assume that? You're getting Disney Plus, so you can watch The Mandalorian. My series. house is molten. Okay, I'm molten, but the my my, my whole what family. Is that, what does that mean in, for, in uh, America? We are for The Mandalorian. Yeah, we're okay. We're, I assumed. Yeah, just, no. Well, so and is that coming out weekly or is that, comes out get, tomorrow? Are they, the, are they streaming the whole one. thing? But no, it's gonna it's eight episodes. Episodic, episodic. Yeah. Mainly, I think Fridays, but they're gonna stagger it one day so it doesn't run into Rise of Skywalker's release. Um, yeah, don't. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a you know maybe not a popular opinion, but the, the you know for a lot of people, a lot of Star Wars purists, oh Disney ruined Star Wars. Oh, Disney saved Star Wars. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. you know and Star and you Wars look was at not the, riding on a high. There, I mean, there there wouldn't have been more movies. I mean, Sith, and, Sith was okay, but uh, Sith is better than Jedi. 
This well, gets me. This gets me punched at home when I say that. I, but. I would say that Sith could have dropped about twenty minutes, and Jedi could have dropped the Ewoks, and then it would be a fair fight. I mean, Jedi was supposed the original was supposed to be Wookiees, not Ewoks. Yeah, and that would be a better. Well, movie. you could re-edit. So, uh, I, one of the things I said it, it sort of made the stormtroopers a little less threatening when they're taken out by like slingshots. Yeah, by teddy bears. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's like when I this went, armor does nothing. When I went to uh, <laughs> Disney World once with the kids, and you know Darth Vader is walking around uh, the theme park and signing autographs for kids, and he was uh, if if kids gave him. Uh, their little autograph books and a pen, he he would sign, and then he would he would jerk the pen away from them to make them jump up and get it, which I thought was a nice evil touch. Nice, but it still so, so seemed to understate the evil of. of I was say, man. so your your point is kids are stupid. Well, is, my is really... my point is that I, I felt like Darth Vader signing autographs kind of ruined. How about Darth Vader? It made him seem less threatening. Well, there's now a dance contest down there. The Darth Vader's in there again. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I heard an, uh, an interview with uh, John Favreau, the director, and he he, um, he was being asked about working with Harrison Ford, and Ford being you know pretty reticent to John Favreau worked with Harrison Ford, uh, Cowboys and Aliens, right? So he, you know, Harrison Ford not really someone who's uh, all that outgoing and he's much, prickly, much you know, he's prickly, prickly, little not really a big storyteller until uh, John Favreau figured out that. Um, you could get Harrison Ford to be to tell stories if you got him angry. If you like, if you if you told him something that you had heard that was false. And the example he gave was, um, he was talking to him one time, and he said, "So on uh, Return of the Jedi, um, is it true that the Ewoks were your idea?" I, and Harrison Ford was like, "What? No!" And he just sort of exploded at him. Yeah. All right, I got I got uh, something we never covered, which was your uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, oh, my comedian Do influences, I... and uh, you know, I feel it's probably going to slip into favorites. Um, that's, one, that's okay. That, one, well, one one Canadian thing that you guys I thought played doesn't down have here, to be Canadian. So, oh, I, I realize you, that because I mean, we'd like to learn more about you. Well. Uh, Who through your that, choices, really? then you know, no, make they, an argument that somebody is a better comedian than somebody else. The the one thing I, I you guys didn't mention at all, which I'm a little surprised at, because I thought it had more play down here. No one mentioned kids in the hall. Did, did yeah, the kids in did, the hall never? I, I didn't. I, I have heard good things about it, and the individuals I've enjoyed their work elsewhere. Uh, David David Foley, Dave Foley, Dave Foley, Dave Foley yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark McKinnon. Yep, um, but. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually watch it. Uh, and uh, what's his name from um, uh, Breaking Bad? Wasn't he? Or that? No, sorry, that's a different show. I was gonna say. No, oh, you're thinking of Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk, from Mr. Show, Mr. Yeah, show, show, which was is, is in the same category in my brain of great shows that I've heard people say great things about, but I never got to watch. And I, I think at least part of it with Kids in the Hall was when that show hit, and it was. Uh, sort of as cable was expanding, but before streaming took off. Mm-hmm. And so, if it had hit three or four years earlier when there were fewer cable channels, I feel like it gets more exposure. If it hits four or five years, you know, or, or at some period of time later when streaming is taking off, and then it becomes the holy cow, you got to watch this show. The the really strange Canadiana fun fact, which I suppose is my job today. Um, 
Green, Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we all know Anne of Green Gables down here. You know, PEI, Plucky Little Orphan, Redhead. Um, Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island, For yes. those unfamiliar. So so I go, so I, I have a daughter, she's 11, and she's probably about seven or eight years old. Decide, okay, you know, let's let's watch Anne of Green Gables. I'd read the kids' Anne of Green Gables as their bed story. So, you know, okay, let's let's watch the the beloved CBC miniseries. And, and there's two of them. There's Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Green, Green Gables, the sequel. And it was then I realized that not one, but two of the Kids in the Hall members have roles in Anne of Green Gables. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's Bruce McCullough. And, and Dave Foley would be one of them. That's <laughs> so I'm great. like, oh, okay. Like, well, hey, everyone needs a paycheck, so that's good. Um, so my Mount Rushmore, um, I have an unhealthy love for George Carlin. I just, I think he's one of the great... Don't think it's unhealthy. I don't oh, think that's unhealthy. Yeah, so he's, no. he is my... He's he's the first guy I put on there. You guys, of course, are all thinking, you know, macro and you know, Lauren Michaels, and I'm like, no, I'm just no, thinking, no. We were you. just talking Canadian. We didn't mention Lauren Michaels in our own Mount Rushmores uh, originally, uh, although he was somebody I thought about later. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 yeah, a and, that's and, a clearly well thought out pick versus I I, I like George Carlin. Um, so, but that's I mean, anything the man ever did, I just well, howled I, at. I, I, just and to it's go into, smart commentary. To too. Go into who mine were. They were they were. The topic was influences rather than people you want to argue are better comedians than anybody, but but people that are specific to your own. I think it's often, at least the way I think of it, should be your youth, which is where your choices for comedy are most going to be influenced. George Carlin, uh, you know, was the first stand-up comedian to do something that is now being done by a lot of other comedians and. which is honing his act to getting to the point where he does an hour-long special, and then all of those jokes go away. Yeah. So he's the you know he he was really the first one to say nope I'm just getting rid of this act I'm going to build a whole new hour which is really hard to do. Yeah. So but, Carlin who and, else? Uh, Car- and Carlin Steve and- Martin couldn't in a sense couldn't do it not that he didn't have the ability to do it but he was trapped by the success yeah. of his You have to do wild and crazy guy. Yeah, you've like, got to you've got to like bring out your 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 bits that uh right. you know your all-star bits because that's what we came that's what a stadium full of people came to see you do. Well, and they they just had the ceremony. I don't I don't think it'll be on television till the first week of January, but the the Mark Twain Prize was just given to Dave Chappelle, and Chappelle is one of those comedians who, when he's working on his act, he will go to clubs at one in the morning, two in the morning, that sort of thing. When, it, to the extent that there's an audience, they're exhausted, and that's when he's like, "No, this this is this is how I'm going to know whether this stuff works or not." So. Yeah. Um, right, so I'm I'm a I'm a fan of uh, several British comedians, and so it's Mount Rushmore. You get four. All uh, right. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the so it, it, people would talk about the kids in the hall. And they would Meryl go, Streep's comedy work no, was no, no, underrated. No. And, it really uh, was. She was a really great <laughs> Mamma Mia. No, no, she uh, or she. God. No. So uh, you know, kids in the halls. Oh, the Canada's Monty Python. I'm like, I think you are severely underselling the original Monty Python. I put so can, Monty can Python I put Monty Python I, as a collective in there? There was there was some argument about whether Monty Python as an entity could be on there. Fine. But I or or if I have to pick one, it'll probably be Cleese. But yeah, I, w- I would like to put the all of them put in Python there. Python on there. Yeah. yeah so Python's Python one. Uh, the third, I would I really like, and this is going to get me thrown out, I imagine. Um, 
Rowan Atkinson just get uh, out. I love Rowan Atkinson, and I'm not meaning for the Mr. Bean work, which is funny, which is fine. But he did a TV series before that called Blackadder. Oh, right. Blackadder is hands down for me the funniest thing I've ever watched. But but he's so just sarcastic and bitter, and you know, I just it's fantastic. Uh, and then from Blackadder or from from Rowan Atkinson, you get into some of the other bit players who would go around there. So you got the Hugh Laurie's and the Stephen Fry's and all these guys who are these great cerebral British comics that didn't really translate half the stuff they did, but the stuff that did translate over on the side of the pond was fantastic. Hugh, see, I don't. I know everyone thinks of Hugh Laurie as he's Doctor House now, and he's right. you yeah. know. I, I mean, he, Hugh he, Laurie is hysterical. So he, I, he had a turn on Veep. He was great oh, on Veep. Oh, Ed, but I don't. I still don't think of him as well as a comedy. Actor. So, do you consider Julia Louise Dreyfus for that because she was Elaine? Yeah, Veep is hilarious. Oh, and yeah. even that TV show, what New Adventures of the Old Christine? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people really like that. So oh, we, yeah. we were talking about influences, and she didn't really come along. Her body of work, at what I would take as the most likely time of your life where you're going to be influenced. Mm-hmm. And I, I had included Letterman, who was a little, obviously, later period than mm-hmm. my early childhood, because I had Cosby in there, which... Um, that didn't age well. I was well, say. <laughs> it just, it, it, it's not that it didn't, inf- you know, at the time... I don't think you would ask a nine-year-old, like, hey, do you know what he's going to be up to or going to be found out to be up to I, for, you know, Yeah, years I, later. I paid money to see Cosby Live, so yeah. I'm kind of like and uh, he was, uh, he was pretty, 20 he was, years ago. But. You, you probably enjoyed it. And, yeah. you know, if you have to say, oh, I feel bad about enjoying that moment 20 years ago when I couldn't have known anything, well, then, you know, that you're, you're playing to, you know, today's directives. But he... We had all of his albums and listened to them yeah. and, and loved them. And he was, you know, held up rightly as a great influence on children through Fat Albert and uh, the Electric Company and, and things like that. Not, not to like get into what would might seem to be a defense of Cosby. That's it's just you know when we were growing up, he was somebody you should be looking up to um, as as a child in in the seventies and and eighties and and. Um, so was that you haven't gotten to your fourth? You you went into I, I, what I was going to say is Stephen Fry. One listener, uh, I believe, at one point wrote in once uh, some videos went up and uh, said, "Oh, this you know I thought just listening to the podcast, I had a picture in my head of who people looked like, and I was expected to look like Stephen Fry." <laughs> really? By one of the. Uh, People who wrote in, I think. Wow, that's, that's what they they thought of. When that's they all I'll think me. of now. Um, <laughs> Which, and I I think his his work is brilliant. But if if I am found to look like him, then I guess um, I'll have to live with that. But I, say, I don't we'll, think we'll, I will need to break your nose. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. don't, I don't he, think I do look like him. Well, it's like years ago um, we had it was a a friend of one of the people who worked here at the Fool came and and. Was, uh, was visiting when we were recording Motley Full Money, and so he sat on the other side of the glass and you watched the show. You were supposed to look like oh somebody awfully good looking. Yeah. So so after the show, um, uh, I was like, hey, you know, so now now you've seen the show and like, and it was clear from the look on his face that he was disappointed by what he had just watched. <laughs> like he had just listened, he loved listening to Motley Full Money, and now he got to watch it being ruined. recorded, and it was just like, wow, God, and so. Uh, I said, yeah, it, it seems like it was a kind of a letdown, and he was trying to be nice. He's like, no, 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 it was good. And I said, no, no, it's fine. It, it's fine. You're not, you're not going to hurt my feelings. It's fine. It, it, you know, we, 
And uh, and he said, I said, you were picturing something different, weren't you? And he said, yeah, I really was. I said, what were you picturing? And he said, I was picturing a TV set. I was picturing like you guys on a set and lots of lights and TV monitors and all this. And I pictured all of you wearing suits and ties. And I was like, oh God, well, this really <laughs> was failed this. <laughs> and he said, I thought you all, I thought you would all look different. You all look different from what I pictured, and and uh, and and uh, I thought you were going to look like the guy on the fashion show. I'm like, what fashion show? He's like, you know, the the, the fashion show on TV. And I thought for a minute, you know, the fashion show. And I thought for a minute, and I said, RuPaul. <laughs> I said, uh, uh, Project Runway. And he said, Yeah, that's it. I said, You thought I look like Tim Gunn? He said, Yeah, that's what I pictured, Tim Gunn. Now Tim Gunn is. I don't know, 12 to 15 years older than me. But I thought to myself, he's a really good-looking guy. And I just thought, okay, I'll take that. I, I have, uh, shall we say, had um, elevated discussions with, with people uh, over... What does that mean? Arguments? Something like that, yes. Okay. Uh, over Blade Runner, which, of course, is the most beloved science fiction movie of all time. And I, it's a movie that I legitimately like. But I made the argument one time in a, in a group, much like this, actually, where... In a, in a studio with yeah, alcohol? Yeah, in a studio with alcohol. Like well, this, well, there was, there was with alcohol. There was nerds around. With, there was alcohol and nerds. Um, so it wasn't like this at all. <laughs> well, 50%. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford's character, to bring it back to Harrison Ford. Uh, Blade, Rick Deckard is just bad at his job. Blade Runner 2, any good? Fantastic. I, I, I want to hear the rest of his argument. He's just bad at his job. His, his job is you are, you are supposed to retire these human-looking robots, these replicants. Not fall in love with them. Well, we, that, she's not the one he's supposed to retire. But basically, of the four, uh, one gets killed by someone else. One gets the drop on him. And he inadvertently kind of kills her because she runs away when she should have finished the deal. Spoiler alerts here. Uh, I, again, the movie the movie is almost forty years old. You should have seen it by now. And by the way, the movie takes place today. Today, yeah, November twenty nineteen. Um, a third one gets a drop on him, and then the fourth one dies because it only has a four year lifespan, so it dies in front of him. And it's like he he does nothing. <laughs> so I wrote a something. Uh, about 15 years ago, back uh, back when, as you will recall, the home run articles were, yeah. were doing the rounds, and yeah, we're old. We are old, and well, not because of that, but time otherwise. Uh, and the premise of it was that movies tended to portray the future, uh, and this is actually going to be relevant to, to like a normal podcast. Portray the future thirty years ahead of time as radically different yes. from what you were experiencing today. That was a comfortable enough period of time that you could do something like Blade Runner or two thousand and one when it came in 30, 40, 30 some years like that. Escape from New York uh, and Escape from yeah anything like that and uh, that in reality things change. Although things change, they change a lot less than you would gauge. For movies, and I think I took the premise from I went to the hundred best movie quotes of uh, all time from uh, the AFI, and used the one that had like uh, a distant future and and what year the future was supposed to take place as sort of the data that I was relying upon for this. But uh, the Terminator was in there, and like the Terminator, when was that supposed to have, have gone down? When was uh, Skynet supposed to have taken over? Nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, you are a nerd. And uh, yep. 
uh, to know that. Just <laughs> that wasn't I, even twenty years. Okay. I, I, I was actually going to be watching the first Terminator with my son on Saturday night, but we opted for Shaun of the Dead instead. But if, uh, by you, the way, if I'm, somebody were making a movie right now and they were like, "Oh, let's make it in like uh, I don't know, twenty fifty nine, that seems like uh, far enough away that we can create people hanging around on Mars. Things change much more slowly in the science fiction category than you think. Um, and you can invest. To, I know we promise not to give any investment advice on apropos of nothing, but you can take a little bit more of a long-term horizon with something like a Cheerios or you know something that really does not change over time. I believe 1997 is also the year that Escape from New York takes place. Uh, does it? That was made in '81. I think. Oh, I thought it was a couple of years earlier, but just the whole like. Crime in yeah. America has risen four thousand percent, or whatever it is, and, and we put the you know the entire island of Manhattan is now yeah. a prison camp. Um, no. And and also when we were kids, um, there was two or three years of a regular show called Space nineteen ninety nine, where there was Love a base that show Martin Landau. There's yeah. a base Moon Base Alpha. Alpha. Yeah, and it's like oh, this is only you know twenty two years in the future or whatever it is. And the moon's been thrown out of the gravitational well of you of of Earth and is ranging. Yeah. No, but uh, to Bill's point, the um, you're familiar with the books, the Guinness Books of World Records? Sure. Okay. So there was a book uh, from what the, the hell kind of question is that? So from the eighties, you remember you get the they, they were small books. <laughs> Are you right? familiar with the country of England? <laughs> so there was a very similar style book from the eighties called the Book of Lists. Yes. Okay. The authors of the Book of Lists did a book in the mid-early 70s, and it was called The Book of Predictions. And they went to experts across hundreds of different subjects and fields and said, you know, you are an expert in your field. I think the book came out in 1974. You are an expert in your field. Tell us where you see your field and the world of your field in 30 years. And I found this book at like um, like a flea market a number of years ago for two dollars. It might be the best two dollars I've ever spent because the sheer scale of error in these predictions is magnificent. Like, I mean, people have like they they are predicting like the 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 crop scientist is the the crop scientist is either predicting you know the human population of Earth will be somewhere below ten thousand because everyone's starved. Or that there, or or they're the completely the opposite. Like it, it is again. Like, you know, we are we are living in a bounty, and everything is free. And I mean, it's to, to that point. Uh, familiar with Soylent Green? Yes. Yeah, which is slightly less well known. It's than, people, you know. So that and and so in this article that I've been writing, that was one of the like hundred greatest lines of all time. Like Soylent Green is people, and I was people. So I people. put that into the article, and one of the editors who was a little bit younger, Brian, or as he was known at the time, Bruce Richards. Um, <laughs> so like, I've never heard of this, and he was like a film studies major or something. Was, was he? he? I don't know. I'm making facts up I, left and right here. I don't. But, think I thought Hanson was the was the film studies guy, but he was a speech a playwright or something. Yeah, he was hey. like. Uh, uh, anyway, um, Soylent Green is people. What year do you think that was supposed to happen? Uh, it came out. When did it come Late out? Late seventy four. And now, now we the total spoiler alert. By the way, rewind. Forget everything we've said. If you're going to watch Silent Green, <laughs> I don't know when. When does it come out? Twenty twenty two. So that's coming up. Right. That's pretty. I, I scary. feel that that could still happen. 
that we could be eating people yeah. in three yeah. years. I yeah, mean. I mean, uh, so anyway, that's a 73 film. But again, that's your, your 40, 30, 40, 50 year horizon, a little bit long, longer, almost 50 year yeah, horizon. Yeah, those early 70s, like uh, those early 70s mass- sci-fi movies are really uh, depressing. Like oh, Silent yeah. Running, same deal. Uh, and uh, Planet of the Apes, I don't remember what year the astronauts were supposed to have left, you know, in, in that year. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of the dy- Tim Burton dystopian. Version? No. <sighs> so Soylent Green, also famous in this office. Yes, it was uh, uh, the kitchen in the uh, in, in the, the space original uh, Motley Fool asset management space. We named all of our conference rooms after fictional businesses from movies, and there was um, Hudsucker Industries. Hudsucker Industries, <laughs> of there, course. There Hudsucker was uh, Dunder Mifflin. Was the Dunder Mifflin was like the, uh, office, the cl- supply. office supplies closet, and uh, the pharmaceutical company. Uh, from Devlin McGregor. Devlin McGregor was the main office, and the kitchen was Soylent Green. We're going to have to vacate the studio in 11 minutes. Um, uh, People are breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, Christmas plans? What are your Christmas plans? Any? Travel? Um, what, what is Does Guelph become a magical Christmas wonderland? Or uh, maybe not Guelph because it's a large city with 120,000 people. That's not that large. Guelph. You want, to, you want to go out for a Christmas meal with the family. You get the snowmobile going. And, uh, <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking like Guelph Center. Like there's well, you know, there's the usual displays in various places. Uh, at my house, it'll be fairly fairly muted, except my um, significant other is very into Christmas. You say that with chagrin. Well, it sounds it sounds like I'm a not bit, very into Christmas. Sounds like a little bit of tension. It'll be muted, we, and yet somebody we, is very into Christmas. We have it's, a uh, you know. Where do we go with you that? You know, in your basement, you have like the storage room, and you know, it's usually the furnace room. Yeah. Because, yeah. So we have an extra storage room that's just for Christmas decorations. Okay. And yeah. that sounds. Uh, hey. And, and there know, will there will be about four or five Christmas trees in the house because I just the rest of the crowd's here pretty Christmassy. You're yeah. you're like well yeah, you're I'm Scrooge. I know more of a Thanksgiving guy. If you had to rank holidays, Thanksgiving. I mean, it makes number one for for you and and your family. Number one day, like just like ranking the days of the year. Yeah, Thanksgiving's number one. I'd probably put Christmas, you know, number two. I mean, if you but had for seasoned for seasoned. Christmas, yeah, no, our, our house gets very decked up. But, but uh, I, I'll do Christmas dinner. My parents will come over. Uh, okay. My partner, her her best friend and family will come over. I, I, I'm just going to say that uh, this has happened a few times in my life where um, you are welcome. By the way, if you're if you're, oh, if you're, really? if you're in the neighborhood, feel free. to Okay, drop by. thank you. you um, there have been a few times in my life where I've had a friend, um, and then I I meet. The, the friend's significant other, and then I just think, oh, thank God. Thank God. that they... So, one of them was my freshman year college roommate, and uh, years ago, he was uh, in D.C. He was with this uh, woman he had just started dating at the time, and so I met them for a drink uh, before they were heading off to the wedding, and then uh, she excused herself to go to the ladies' room, and as soon as she was out of earshot, uh, he turned back to me. He said, "So, what do you think?" And I said, "I think you should marry her as soon as possible. <laughs> like, she's great. For whatever reason, she thinks you're great. Yeah. And I think you should marry her. Lock that down before yes. you before she and, figures it out." Um, and uh, he did. And, did you pull it off? Um, they they 
they're married and they have a wonderful family. And so, having met your significant other, <laughs> I was excited. Like, I think I'm a hundred percent on her side. I, you should be. And are you um, pushing marriage? Uh, no, I'm just saying. Um, especially considering, sounds how, like that's your uh, way to solve problems. No, just I'm, go, I'm, go and marry that person. No, I'm saying considering how you left the house, how <laughs> how uh, how all of that went down yeah. when you left the house, then you should just. If you're allowed back in at all, if you I'm should be proposing. Back, yeah. You should be buying oh. b- like a bunch of engagement oh, no. rings while you're out of the house. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that when you, if you're let back in the house, you should just say, "Hey, uh, when it's time to decorate the house for Christmas, can I be helpful and move some of the boxes yeah. out of the storage room?" My, my role is curmudgeon. Walk really. back in and beg for forgiveness. Ba- basically, the the. Here's here's the here's the true story. She she can do whatever she wants because I I'm quite happy with how, whatever she usually does because yeah. you know she's smart, funny, and yeah, she's a lot of fun. And thinks you're you know pretty good. And I've managed to put it over on her for a number of years now. So you know, as my father used to say, it's a sorry man that doesn't marry up. That's where we should end. Sancho. Okay, now this is our Christmas song. In case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. Oh, you start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer. Okay, that should be more there, eh? Where? On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. See, you need more. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques. Four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, to gold Christmas, my true love gave to me six packs of two for five golden toots. Four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Seven packs of smoke and yeah. oh, six packs of two five golden toques, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go home. Oh, the eighth day of Christmas, Drula gave to me eight comic books, seven packs of smoke, six packs of two for five. Okay, date uh, 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden toots, four pounds of bagging, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Where did you learn to do that? Uh, albums? So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and good day. Good day.
left out? What? Donuts. I told you to get me donuts. Either on the ninth day or the tenth day or the eleventh day. I wanted donuts. But I wanted Merry Christmas, everybody. Or on the twelfth day, you could have got me a dozen donuts. Go on to the store. You could have gone down get some presents. Like the good donut shop where if you buy a dozen, you get another one free. And that would have been 13 for the 13 days of Christmas. Next Christmas, it can't be a chainsaw. That song is a beauty. Move. Yeah, I think it ranks up there with Stairway to Heaven. What? <laughs>